Hello there. It's the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Thursday, April 29th. I'm going to start with a look at the new focused vaccine rollout that begins today in the province. We're going to catch up with uh, Global Calgary, Sarah Offen. Now, of course, uh, we've heard about the meatpacking plants being super hard mm-hmm. hit. There are 15,000 uh, such workers across the nation and the majors in our province are down south. So we're going to catch up with Sarah, who's uh, spent some time at Cargill to talk about the new rollout, the focus and uh, what kind of an impact it might make. Next up, we're going to look at the results of a, I don't know, I guess you could call it interesting, good, bad, a little bit scary. It's a new survey that looks at the news consumption habits of Albertans and their views on the COVID-19 pandemic, including vaccinations. <laughs> we speak with the board chair of the Canadian Journalism Federation. Sue, I wrote this. I'm going to read it as I wrote it. Okay. It's the return of a classic, the Shaw Charity Classic. Oh, good one. We all know and love it in mm-hmm. our city. Last year put on pause due to the pandemic, but it is back. We'll talk about the details of what you can expect. And, of course, how many people will be able to watch the tournament live? We'll break down the details. And finally, load up the family. Or if you're like my brother, taking me to the drive-in with his friends, put your kids in the trunk. In the trunk. No, yes. don't do that. No. We don't recommend that at all. But it is drive-in season. It's back. From movies to music, comedy to karaoke, we get a rundown of the impressive entertainment lineup that's planned in the coming months at the Grey Eagle Drive-In, of course, at the Grey Eagle Resort and Casino. 7.20 now, and it was supposed to start last week, but the province delayed the program, claiming low vaccine supplies forced its hand. But today, some meatpacking plants are rolling out vaccination <laughs> clinics within right their now. walls. Global News reporter Sarah Offen joins us now from the cargo plant in High River with the latest. Hi, Sarah. Oh, good morning to you. Thanks so much for joining us. How many workers are, are going to benefit from this program? Well, there are 50,000 eligible workers as part of this program, and I have been speaking with uh, the union this morning. I see they've just arrived here on site, in fact, but uh, essentially they're telling us that they've had about 80% uptake with workers already booking their appointments. So this is a big relief for a lot of these workers following um, both the outbreaks that they had there last uh, spring as well as uh, this spring as well, linked to dozens of cases in addition to that. Do you have some kind of a time frame, Sarah, on uh, when we uh, hope to have all these uh, folks vaccinated? Yeah, I haven't heard exactly about that. What we know is that the vaccinations are beginning uh, right at 7 a.m., uh, both here uh, on site at the cargo plant as well as at community community locations. And that will look uh, similar um, for, uh, look like a similar scene for those down at uh, JBS Canada in Brooks as well, which is also part of this uh, pilot program. Um, so again, the cargo plant has about 2,000 employees. Um, they process about one third of Canada's processed beef supply. And then last spring, they actually had 950 of those employees that tested positive as part of uh, that outbreak. It was linked to three deaths. So uh, obviously a huge concern, and, and it has been an ongoing concern with meatpacking um, plants right across the province, these outbreaks. And so these workers really want to make sure that they're protected and the province, uh, again, moving to try and uh, provide some relief here uh, this morning and, and continuing, I imagine, uh, over the coming weeks. And Sarah, are you hearing anything from the workers themselves? Are they pleased about this program? What are they saying? Yeah, we haven't been able to speak with them yet. It's very um, sort of guarded, I shall say, here um, outside the cargo plant. So we're just on the perimeter of that. But we will be uh, trying to speak with people here as the shift changes this morning. Um, but what we're hearing from the union is that uh, a lot of people feeling the relief. They do have a program here uh, on site, a, a translator with the University of 
of Calgary, there's a pilot project that they're conducting to uh, look at vaccine hesitancy. So that is going to be part of it. But again, what we're hearing from the union so far is that most people are, uh, are excited about this and are signing up for the opportunity. Sarah, thank you so much for the update this morning. You're welcome. That is uh, Global News Calgary reporter Sarah Offen. 709. This is not a good look for Albertans. A new survey from the Canadian Journalism Foundation finds people here in our province say they feel the least informed about COVID-19 and were the most likely to say they have shared fake news about the virus. We're joined now by Kathy English, the board chair for the CJF Foundation, to check about the findings. And uh, Kathy, thank you so much for joining us to talk about these numbers. It's kind of shocking, isn't it? It is. Good morning and thank you for having me and, and thank you for um, shining the light on, on this important survey. It is important. It's a, well, it's a survey that shows that trustworthy journalism really is a public health issue. Um, the, the connection between how, how much you use the news, how much you trust the news and your uh, propensity to get a vaccine and to know um, the, the facts about vaccines are, are, are really quite stark. Wow, incredible. So so one of the biggest takeaways is obviously uh, th- those folks who are planning on getting vaccinated and those who have consumed the info. Let's talk about the connection and, and, and you have a, a direct correlation between uh, the two. We do. Uh, you know, we, the, the correlation is that Canadians who follow the news at least once a day are more likely to get a vaccine as soon as it is available to them. Those who don't consume news um, are less likely to, to get the vaccine. Um, so it, it's also, it's the, the connection is between news consumption, but also trust in news. Those who, who trust journalists more are more likely to, to get the vaccine. And, you know, for, for me, having been a journalist for many years, this speaks to the, the need for credible journalism, for journalism, journalists who are out in their communities talking to doctors and science and epidemiologists and patients and really um, getting to the facts about COVID-19 and the vaccines and presenting them to, to, to our audiences. Um, I think this is real really strong evidence that the, the, the tireless work that so many journalists across this country have been doing in this past year, that, that it really does matter to, to the health of Canadians. Absolutely agree, Kathy. And I can guarantee you uh, we're going to, get, going to get at least five texts in while we, you and I chat, uh, the three of us to chat, actually, that will say, you know, oh, I don't trust MSM. They lie to us. So, you know, you're paid by the government, that sort of thing. So I guess that therein lies the problem, right? That's the issue that we're fighting against. And, and that's why people aren't trusting because they keep seeing and hearing that sort of response. Yeah, I mean, that that's another whole other whole kind of disease that, you know, certainly has been particularly virulent over the last five years, Um, you know, starting with uh, the election of Donald Trump when, you know, any one of us who work in journalism um, started, you know, enhanced all all the time. We've been told, oh, you know, people don't trust journalists. But over the last five years, it's been particularly loud and intense. You know, a, a lot of that is on us. It's on us to keep talking, to have these conversations about why journalism matters, what trustworthy journalism is, what is real news, um, try and um, combat the, the F word, the, the, the fake news mm-hmm. word. 
uh, and try and help people to understand, you know, that what journalists do is they verify information, they fact check information, they they talk to to many many expert sources in order to present information, and you know we've seen so much great journalism during the pandemic, but at the same time we we've seen you know this this sense of distrust is out there and the sense of um, sharing misinformation, of sharing information that someone finds on social media. Um, and, and a lot of that concerns the vaccine. You know, since the introduction of the vaccine, uh, the, the, the misinformation, the outright lies about the vaccine are, are, are just, you know, they're, they're being shared widely by people who don't know. One of the findings here, talk, we, we look at um, what people know about vaccines. And, you know, there are still 10% of people in this country who think that the vaccine microchips them. Yeah. Ten percent. How is that? How how is such a ridiculous notion somehow feels like a fact? Feels like I think is the operative term because so much of this is operating on an emotional level, and journalists try and and operate at the factual level. We do operate at the factual level. You know, it's interesting. Yeah, that means one in ten. Uh, on your street, one in ten houses believe that you're been microchipped. If you mm. that's incredible when you put it in those terms, Kathy. Let's talk about you know uh, you've talked about the correlation between news consumption and whether or not you're interested in getting the the jab. Uh, but uh, is it a case? That you, I'm sure you had to have a baseline within this uh, study and this poll as far as you know. Is it not a case that those who consume news before continue to, or have you been able to mark the increase or decrease? Well, we did have, as a basis of comparison, um, the CJF had done a survey in uh, 2016, I'm just sorry, I'm just checking, um, that sort of looked at misinformation and Canadians' understanding of of, um, verified factual news. And we did see that, you know, the dial has been moved Somewhat that in, in in that Canadians do seem to have a greater understanding of what is misinformation, what is real news, um, which means that you know our, our the the efforts that all journalists have put in in the last few years to increase news literacy to help our audiences understand what we do and why we do it. They, it does seem to be having some effect. We're we're not entirely there yet, of course. I think, you know, ongoing efforts by, you know, every single journalist um, to, to, to help your audience. If it's just one person that you help understand, you know, what is real news, what is it, what is it that, that you do that, that matters, um, helping them to understand journal, journalism, then I, then I think we've all done a little bit more of a public service. Mm-hmm. Kathy, I know you've broken down numbers quite a bit, and, and can you tell us in terms of Albertans, the percentage of folks who said they've shared false stories? And I know you broke it down by male and female as well. Can you kind of get into a little bit of that detail for us? Yeah, I'm not sure I've got the male and female in front Even of Even the Albertan numbers, yeah. specifically? Yeah, well, so the Albertan numbers, and, and I'll put it back to you. As, as you know, a survey can, can um, discern facts. It, it can't really tell us the why. So I think that's the, 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 the big question, the why. Um, the survey shows us that people in Alberta feel the least informed of any province about what's going on with COVID-19. But at the same time, they 
Albertans are less likely to check news daily and place the least amount of trust in both journalists and government authorities, which I think is telling when it comes to news about COVID. Um, so the, the upside is that Albertans are the most informed about the side effects of the vaccine at 77 percent. Mm. Um, so, you know, is there much more emphasis on looking at the negatives of the vaccine mm. than the positives? And, you know, the, the big whys here are why, why don't Albertans trust either their journalism or their government? And why aren't they consuming news? And, you know, I think those are, are, are big questions mm-hmm. for everyone who, who works in, in, in media in Alberta and beyond. True. Kathy, thanks for bringing the details of the survey to our attention. You're very welcome, and uh, keep on doing the great work of informing um, Albertans and Canadians. Thank you. There's Kathy English. Thank you for your time. Kathy English, board chair for the Canadian Journalism Federation. 8-11, and boy, it was a tough year for golf fans in Calgary last summer after our city's top golfing event was cancelled because of COVID, but it is back for another round this year. See what I did there? Uh, we welcome to the show Sean Van Kesteren, Executive Director of the Shaw Charity Classic. Good morning, Sean. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. You guys must be pumped. Yesterday announcing that you have plans to get the club swinging once again this summer. How excited are you and, and everybody involved with the Shaw, the Shaw Classic? We're all excited for sure. Uh, we've been planning, you know, obviously, to go go forward this year for some time. Uh, working very close closely with all the government agencies to uh, get the right approvals and hopefully, uh, you know, uh, put the event on as best we can. And uh, ultimately, it will be a modified version. It won't be the fifteen thousand people a day, yeah. but uh, but we're working on uh, on having the event nonetheless and uh, making it the best we possibly can to, to ensure we raise all this money for charity. John, let's talk about the lineup. You generally an incredible lineup. How many golfers have committed to, to this edition so far? A lot. The guys are pretty excited with not having, I think, played uh, you know a full schedule last year. They uh, they are signing up with all the events uh, on the schedule this year pretty early. So uh, our field is looking really strong, um, and I think a lot of people that we're, we're excited to see come and play would be Mike Weir and uh, and we even got Ernie Ellis. He'll probably be joining us as well. So awesome. Um, so yeah. So we uh, we're very optimistic we'll be able to put this this event on this year and. And, uh, and do it in a way that's obviously safe and, uh, you know, follows all the rules. So, Sean, on that note, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen exactly. So how do you sell tickets? How do you get fans involved without being quite sure as to what it might look like? That's the biggest challenge. It's, um, you know, really, you know, getting the plan. And, and that plan, as I mentioned earlier, will, will be a modified version. There'll be less fans uh, if we're allowed fans at all. Um, we're certainly prepared to actually have the event without fans. No spectators if we have to, have to go there. But... Uh, our plan right now is to is to have at least a couple thousand on site, and um, we think we can probably achieve that goal. So, what that actually looks as far as a fan experience, we haven't finalized that yet. But uh, uh, with two thousand people a day, and we you know typically get around fifteen thousand, we'll have to figure out exactly how best to uh, to use those uh, two thousand, I guess, spots at the golf course. Sean, let's talk about you know the the full title is Shaw Charity Classic, and I don't think we can underscore the importance and the impact of the charity component. If you could touch on that for us and, and, and talk about the history of of giving, yeah, that's it was, it's the whole purpose of the event. Um, the patron group that was led by um, Clay Riddell uh, back in two thirteen, um, they decided that they you know they want to have an event to. Uh, to show the world that Calgary can host a PGA Tour event, but also, and more importantly, um, help us 
many children's charities as possible. So um, we've had some success there, which has been great. And obviously having Shaw and Alton Link being part of our, our Buries for Kids program has been tremendous. And, um, you know, even last year without having an actual golf tournament, we were able to raise just over $12 million. And uh, since the inception, we're over $61 million. So, um, and we've got a record number of charities involved this year already. Uh, 233 charities across Alberta. And uh, that's that's a that's a that's a big number of charities that are that are uh, certainly uh, um, um, you know looking for us to, to to help them and um, and regardless of the golf tournament and we actually had a chat with them just the other day all the charities that uh, we will make sure that we we continue the the, the charity drive and and birdies for kids and support them regardless of a golf tournament we want to make sure that they felt very comfortable and and weren't too uh, too concerned whether the golf tournament went or not whether they were going to be supported so um, it was a nice call to have a call from. That is awesome, and it's so important. It's been a horrible year for charities, so this is great news for them. Now, aside from that, which is obviously key and the most important part of it, but also a hugely important is how much of an economic impact the Shaw mm-hmm. Charity Classic has for the city of Calgary. Yes, typically when it's a full-blown event, it's it's over thirty million dollars per year. Um, you know, this year uh, it'll be less <laughs> because we won't be having as many travelers probably come to the event, but. Uh, um, it's still significant, regardless. Um, and um, um, you know, we know it's a big part of uh, you know uh, driving some of the economic um, progress here in Calgary, and and hopefully for many years it'll continue to grow. Sean, how can people get involved or donate? Oh, just go to our website uh, at shawtreeclassic.com and just click on the the, the charity uh, link there, and you have uh, 233 charities that you can support, and that goes into the program, which uh, we will ultimately match up to 50%. So um, that's the easiest way to, to make a donation. Good stuff. Thank you so much for your time this morning, and uh, all the best for this year's edition. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. That is Sean Van Kesteren, Executive Director of the Shaw Charity Classic. I think we lose sight of the fact that, yeah, we have a world-class golf event. Right here in our own yeah, city. It's, it's in, in, incredible. Mm-hmm. And I, was, I, I thought a few thousand. He was saying that generally it's 15,000 people you know, watching a, a live pro event. in our in, Incredible That's stuff. That's pretty awesome. And, and hopefully there'll be at least a few fans yeah. who are allowed to go and watch the play. Best case scenario, right? Yeah, very much so. And that's one more uh, notch of normalcy, I would think, mm-hmm. if we can get that uh, event back up and running. 8.50, it's mornings with Sue and Andy. Then the Grey Eagle Drive-In is unlike any venue you'll find in just 10 minutes from downtown. But more than that, it's COVID-friendly and has an incredible lineup ready to entertain us. With all the details, we're joined by Kevin Yates, General Manager for the Grey Eagle Resort and Casino. Good morning to you, Kevin. Hey, good morning. How are you today? Good morning. I'm great, but I'm very excited about this because mm-hmm. we're starved for entertainment. Here comes the Grey Eagle to help out. Tell us about this drive-in series and what it's going to look like. Yeah, so um, our driving series is going to be from May uh, through to September, so five months long. And uh, you're absolutely right. We're going to be following all the uh, protocols uh, to make sure everybody's safe, but also have a heck of a good time. Uh, we have a full list of entertainment. Uh, we're still planning some of the concerts. And um, we just have a number of different events that you can choose from, uh, everything from fight nights karaoke's drive-ins uh concerts comedy shows dueling pianos um and we have a number of uh, uh private and uh 
and uh, other events uh, besides the entertainment from graduations, dance recitals, uh, weddings, and things like that. So very excited. That's awesome. So it's not your typical drive-in. It's really an entertainment drive-in, and it's going to be fun. I mean, lots of events, as you say, you know, full range of stuff going on. And how does it look in terms of, do you have stages set up then, big screens as people drive in kind of? Exactly. So we partnered up with uh, Supervision that's uh, handling all the production and screens. Uh, they're one of the best uh, in the nation, for that matter, um, with a lot of experience. We have a 30 by, 32 by 32 foot screen with a 35 by 15 foot uh, LED screen right above it, two 20 by 20, 10 foots on the sides. And then as you drive in further back, there's other screens. So everybody will have an opportunity to have a great view. And if you don't want to be in your vehicle, it it backs on west facing, so you have the views of the Rocky Mountains, and you can even sit in your uh, hotel rooms and uh, book a room. We have it all streamed into the television. You can turn the TV on, put the volume up, watch outside, open the windows, and and, uh, order room service and spend the night, and hopefully uh, be able to roll into the casino and do a little gambling, uh, you know, as as time goes on. So we're excited. Kevin, I can wrap my head around the live performances, the comedians, the musicians. I can wrap my head around the movies, but I'm wondering what karaoke is. I, I need a definition of what karaoke is. <laughs> I actually had to get a definition, too, because the event group, our partner, helped us with this. And, you know, it's something where we'll be following all the uh, uh, rules and regulations, and there's a certain amount of people that are allowed outside of their cars, so we'll time it, allow people to get on stage uh and and per- perform and they they'll be able to uh send us messages on on what they would like to sing and it's really no different than you sitting in a in a in a lounge or, or some place where there's karaoke and being able to get up stage and uh show everybody what you got i love it it's brilliant and the website for more information gray eagle resort and casino.ca thank you so much for joining us kevin wonderful idea can't wait to get down there and enjoy it yeah, thank you. And one last thing, if you don't mind. Um, um, so everything can be booked directly through com, And that's uh, that's where everything's located. com. You got it. Got it. Thank you so much, Kevin. Appreciate it. Okay, thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Kevin Yates is the general manager of the Great Eagle Resort and Casino. Good stuff.